Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farm Her radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie, as your host on Shining Bright by Farmher. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shining Bright this week. And um, we've got an episode of, it's quite honestly full of women who have like tugged at my heartstrings. And I am so proud of them. I am so proud to know them. I am so proud to get to to share their stories in one way or another through Farmher. And I know, I know for a fact that all of you will find their stories inspirational. You will find them to be some of the most positive, awesome people that you can meet. And I promise you, these are all just everyday people. Like these are just women who like their hand wasn't even up to have me come tell their story or farm her to tell their story. But um, we found them and thank goodness we did because there's many days where I think, uh, you know, like my load seems a little heavy. And quite honestly, when I think about some of the people who, who I've met, including a number of the women you're going to hear on the show, my load is not heavy at all. Uh, their loads are heavy. So uh, I'm just going to quickly tell you about what's coming up in this episode. You're going to be hearing from two different women, Carrie Portell and Melissa Eshelman. And we're going to kick it off with Carrie. And I actually caught up with Carrie on the road. She was uh, keynote speaking at our series of grow events here in the Midwest this spring. And we found a little bit of time to sit down and talk about her story. And um, I I heard Carrie's keynote three different times in one week, and each and every time I felt like I could barely breathe when I was listening to her story. Like like a my chest felt heavy. I had tears in my eyes. You, you can't hear Carrie's story and not feel moved. And Carrie is also going to be on our TV show Farm Her on RFD TV on May seventeenth, and uh, it'll re air on the nineteenth again. And um, just to give you a preview of Carrie's story, she is a cattle farmer from Missouri. She has had horses in her background. She, you know, has ridden horses, and um, she and her husband and and family members raise cattle there. And um, Carrie was driving to town with her daughters and was hit by a drunk driver. And she will tell you more about it. Um, but the the big thing about Carrie is not that that happened to her. And it, it is how she has dealt with the aftermath in probably the most positive way that I can ever imagine anybody dealing with something like this that deeply, deeply affects every single day of their lives and not just every single day, every single minute of every single day. And, you know, she's going to talk about this, but we all have choices that we make. And, and she is just a shining example of making amazing choices and how to deal with life. So you're going to hear more from Carrie Portell. You're going to hear from Melissa Eshelman, who is a young woman, grew up on the farm and found her way back, unfortunately, after her dad. Um, well, she was there before her dad had an accident, but her dad had an accident when she was back at the farm and um, he fell out of a tree stand and, and it led to him passing away. And so she and her brother are there running the farm and have kind of put together the pieces. And again, one of the most positive people, she's got this really cool story. She's going to tell you more about it when she's on. But in the same vein, this week on Farm Her on RFD TV, you guys, I want, I want to share with you a story about moving on that is not my favorite story to tell. Um, 
but it's real and it happens in its life. So a couple of years ago, I was down photographing in Southern Iowa and um, this was before the TV show. And I needed, I wanted to find someone else to visit that day because I had, I had gotten some time away from uh, being mom for just a little bit and I wanted to use my time best. So I needed some more people to photograph. And I was with uh, a farmer, Shannon Ebersol, and she was like, oh, I know the perfect woman for you to stop at. They're combining and running in the grain cart right now. It's Taylin is the, is the younger one and her grandma, Sharon. And so I visited them. I rode in the grain cart with Taylor and I met Sharon who was running the combine and they were busy. They were off and running and, and there was someone named big Jim there who was there as well. And he was Sharon's husband and Taylor's grandfather. And, um, so we became friends on Facebook and I, I watched as their story unfolded over the next few years. And unfortunately, uh, big Jim got cancer and, um, they, they fought so hard. They fought so, so hard. I watched this all kind of unfold on, on Facebook as they shared their stories. And, um, he passed away almost a year ago right now. And so I reached out to Taylor when I knew we were going to be filming in Southern Iowa. And I said, you know, I know you probably aren't ready to share this because this has been really hard. And, and the pieces that they put out on social media have shown me that this has been really hard. I mean, they, they had to liquidate land. They, they got rid of um, the machinery, like everything that they knew as a farm went away and everything that they knew as people and as women went away. And the person that they looked up to is gone. And um, so how they, they move on and put those pieces back together. I have so much respect for them because like I said, the pieces that I see on social media it, we all know that that doesn't touch. That's just the tip of the iceberg of, of what's actually going on. So we we get a chance to tell their story this week on Farm Her on RFD TV, which airs on uh, Friday nights at eight thirty Eastern, eight thirty Central. Sorry. So stick with us for more stories about moving on. Okay, so welcome to Shining Bright. We are talking with Carrie Portel, who I am so excited to have on our radio show. She is a woman that I met um, over a year ago, connected through Farm Her, and just has an amazing story, is an amazing person, and is spreading so much good in this world. So welcome, Carrie. Thanks, Margie. Nice to be here. Yes, yes. So um, let's take this back a ways. Did, did you grow up in agriculture? Let's talk about your beginnings and kind of what got you maybe connected to this industry. Okay. Yeah, I grew up, we had a very small farm. Um, we mostly had horses, though. Um, and farm-wise, we would have like chickens, rabbits, that kind of thing, but not any kind of beef production. So um, marrying my husband, that was something totally different. Uh, that I was able to get into. Awesome. Um, so your life, let's just jump right into it. Like, okay. Let's just jump right into the deep end. Um, you're from here in Missouri, which is where we actually are today for Correct. this recording. Yes. And um, take us back to the day when your life changed, what, eight years ago? Yeah, now? eight years ago. Yeah, December 29th. You know, uh, you never think it's going to happen to you, but uh, two of my daughters and I got hit by a drunk driver, and it was very severe, long four year recovery, and it has left me with partial disabilities. And how I ended up getting uh, back into agriculture, I guess, is my primary, I guess, job, career now, is that uh, that's what we had. And it, it kind of became my physical therapy at one point. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
I know this and, and anybody who listens to this and watches our TV show will get to delve into your story more, obviously. Yeah. On May 17th of 2019 this year, um, your story is going to air on RFD TV, on Farmer on RFD TV. And um, I told you this other day when we were in the car that I don't remember any interview that we've ever done where we were all just like in so much awe of somebody. Yeah. So... Um, as you said, you were hit by a drunk driver, and and um, I remember you telling me that like, he was going like 80 miles an hour coming at you head on, right? Yeah. It wasn't like just a tap by a drunk Correct. driver. Correct, yeah, yeah. It was a really big tap a couple times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were headed to town in your small community, right? Yeah, so, very small. I mean, my gosh, yeah. And you've got video from Correct. the helmet cam. Can you tell us just a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, so one of those firemen had um, gotten a helmet camera, and they were going to use it to then help other emergency departments, you know, figure out how to get people out of a situation like mine, you know, out of a car that had that much damage. And just so happened that my car crash that night was the very first time that they, they were going to use it. And... You know, it's kind of weird how it worked out that now I'm a public speaker and I have that footage to show real time in the moment, uh, you know, facts that happened there to make such an impact. So it was it was actually a good thing, I guess, now that he did wear that helmet for both reasons. They get to use it and I get to use it. Yeah. But it does show the real thing um, and, and how awful it actually is. Yeah. And I think... Um as a human being, as a wife, as a mother, when I watch that, like I, I've seen it, I don't know how many times now, but I, every time I see it, I feel overwhelmed with emotion. I can only imagine how you feel, um, but but it did massively change your life. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about your recovery after that day, because that has, I think, really defined your life in so many ways. It, it, it absolutely has, yeah. It, Four-year recovery is extremely long, um, and it was four years before I could really walk 100% without support. And my that was my whole goal the whole time was I want to be able to walk again because they really didn't know how well I was going to be able to do that. So being on the farm, getting to do those day-to-day things, regardless of how trivial they were, they they did help my physical therapy part, you know, portion of my recovery. Yeah. Um and you had what 12, 12 surgeries? Twelve surgeries so to be able far. To yeah. Walk. So far. Yeah. You're not. You're not. This I'm not is not done. over. This yeah. is never over. Right. Correct. For you. Yeah. It's just kind of on an ad, as need basis as basically my body deteriorates. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we've been talking about, you've been with us on this grow tour, yes. like awesome. circling the Midwest. Yes. And um, you've been sharing with these young women. I, I think that you have such a strong message of, of how you deal with your every day, right? Yes. Um, so first off, can we talk a little bit about how you've mentioned that um, being on the farm and working with the, sorry, Working with the cattle has um, been therapy for you, uh-huh. emotionally and physically. Correct, yeah. What, uh, how did that work at first, and what are some of the ways that you have figured out or worked with organizations that have helped you figure out how to like, how to keep, keep going. doing that? It was, when I first started, it was, uh, it was all trial and error because uh, I had no idea what I could and couldn't do. I didn't know how to do things differently 
with my new body. So for me, it was uh, basically just trial and error and say, okay, this is not working. I have to think differently about this. And when I got to a certain point, I, I got stuck. I couldn't figure out how to do things any more differently. And that's when AgriAbility came in and said, this is what we do. We will come help you and we will work with your uh, local vocational rehab. And together with those two organizations, they have been able to give me the, the mindset, the body mechanics and the tools to be able to continue with the disabilities that I have. And how did you even find them? Like, how did you know I need to go find this organization or did they, they find you? They or? actually found me just by chance. I had never heard of them and I don't believe anyone in my community had ever heard of them, but I had attended a women in ag event that my husband really urged me uh, to go to because I needed to do something of my own at that point. And uh, I happened to sit by an agribility rep and you get to talk in and she's like, hey, this is um, what you need. We can help you get in touch with this person. And and I, I mean, immediately I did. I called them and said, this is what's going on with me. She said you could help. Yeah, yeah. And, and they have. And they have tremendously, yes. And now I'm a huge advocate because now I want everybody to know about them. Yeah. And I think I heard you mention this the other day. It doesn't have to be a disability that's so severe as yours, right? Correct, it can, yes. It can be anything. It can be anything. You know, I, I didn't even think about it myself. Like if you have vision problems, arthritis, if you've had cancer, I mean, it, anything like that is to them considered something that you would need help for, that they can do that. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us about some of the specific things that you changed about what you do um, that, that have made a difference for you to be able, because you only can take so many steps a day, right? Correct. Like, yeah, I can get around 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that, that you have adapted that they helped you figure out? The number one thing that they started with was definitely body mechanics and how I lift and uh, just move certain things around the farm. You know, like we have mineral bags with our cows, we have feed bags, that kind of stuff. And they taught me how to better manage my body to conserve my energy. So that was the, their number one thing. Um, the other things were definitely my Polaris Ranger with my cake feeder on the back where I can go out and feed grain and then I don't even have to get out of the Ranger to do that. And that number one conserves my steps and my energy, but honestly, most important, it keeps me safe. Yeah, which matters so much. Yeah. So um, we are getting ready to go to break here. But um, as you've heard, we've been talking with Carrie Portell, who um, is just an amazing person. And, you know, the, the theme of this episode is people who maybe something happened and they've picked up and they've moved on. So we're going to be back here in um, a minute and we're going to keep talking about uh, how Carrie has moved on and kind of her attitude about life and some of the other things that she is spreading here at our Grow events. And as you know, on that note, we have events all around the country from our Grow events for young women, which is what we're at today and uh, we love spreading that inspiration to young women wherever we go but we also have I Am Farm Her you can find out more about any of those on our website which is just farmher.com so stick with us we'll be right back on Shining Bright. Back here on Shining Bright, and 
Uh, in the theme of today's episode, we have been talking about people, I, I wouldn't even say surviving, who are thriving and moving forward in maybe a different way than they would have expected that they had to, you know, um, earlier in their life. And so we've got Carrie Portell here. And actually, this is a fun um, talk. We are like tucked away in another room while we have hundreds of young women in the room right next to us um, who are here to connect and learn and listen. And um, with Farm Her, one of my main premises has always been, if you can see it, you can go do it. And so we put awesome women up on the stage who are here to share their story. And hopefully these young women here in attendance will learn through that. So Carrie, you've been with us. This is the third event this week. Yes. We've, we've been like tiring you out, I'm sure. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about your presentation is called Choices. Uh-huh. And, and how, I mean, every time I think about your story. I mean, we were in the car for a a couple hours the other day and I'm just so amazed at your ability to keep things positive and to focus on the good. And, um, you know, you, you had something taken away from you with, by a choice of somebody else, right? Not, not in, in your own control at all. Correct. And I think it, Mm -hmm. it makes it visible that we aren't in control. Yeah. It kind of totally puts that in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. So can you talk about your choice in life and how you deal with this. I was pretty fortunate that whenever I woke up in the hospital that I just, I guess I just didn't give myself any other choice, but to say, okay, I, you know, I, I don't have any control about how this happened, but I've been left with it. And so what am I going to do now? And I think if I wouldn't have made that choice, I don't think my family and the people around me uh, would have been as positive maybe as they were, but since I came out initially that way, they're like, okay, you know, all right, we got this, let's do this. And uh, every day definitely has been a choice, especially those first two years of recovery. They were, they were awful. And I just don't even know how to grasp the right word w- w- for how rough it was. Um, my family definitely are the only ones who saw how rough it was um, and have lived through it right there with me. So. Every day, um, sometimes every hour was a choice in in the very beginning. And today I've got it, you know, very rarely do I have to get up and say, okay, Carrie, you're gonna have to make a decision today about what what kind of day and how how it's gonna go for you. Um, And it's usually only on the days when I have really extreme pain for several days in a row that I start to get get a little heavy, you know, and, and have to deep breathe and have to go back to that time when I have to be my own coach. Yeah. And um, I think that that's, you have to find it within you. you Correct. That's the thing. Like your family saw it, right? But no one can make this better for you. Right. So you have made a choice. Yeah. Nobody can do it for me. I mean, they can tell me and tell me and tell me, but if I don't choose to do it, nothing's going to change. Yeah. So tell me, uh, let's pump this up to positive again. What is... What is the best thing that's come out of this for you? Uh, the best thing I would say initially was um, like the purge and heal process. Cause, because once I finally got over that four-year recovery, I was like, I felt free. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't have to have a ton of surgeries anymore. Um, I had two more after those uh, first four years. But I was like, okay, so let's go see what we can do. And for me to kind of like... I guess finally get to purge what had happened those first 
four years. I mean, that's a long time to have to keep going through the same process over and over and over again that I finally got the time to myself to be able to heal from it and just find out who I was again. Because for four years, I was just basically a person who was surviving, trying to get to a certain place in life. Um, and today, as I mentioned, you are up on our stage talking and, and I know that you're doing a lot more of this and sharing your story. Yeah. Could you have ever pictured that you would be the person to walk in here and hold the audience for an hour and 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long you're talking? Heck to the no. (laughs) And nobody who knew me growing up or even before this happened would ever say that I could be that person to get on stage and talk to people because I'm, I'm naturally a shy introvert, introverted person. But uh, something, something comes along whenever something this, you know, tragic and mind-blowing happens. And I just kept getting this feeling like I am supposed to do something with this. And with the urging of uh, certain members in my community saying, Carrie, I think you need to just listen and you need to just go do this. I overcame that fear. And uh, it took me a year of going up on stage, you know, every time to, to finally get over it. And, and it happened. It just happened one day. Yeah. I would say it's like a muscle, right? Like the more you do it, exactly, the, the yes. better you get. That's with anything, right? I yeah. Think, um, with being positive, with getting on the stage, whatever, whatever that is. But, um, well, your story is an amazing one and one we're so proud to be able to tell. So if people want to connect with you or um, find out more about you or follow your journey, how can they do that? Uh, probably go to my website is the the number one, carryportel.com And then I'm on just about every social media and I get a lot of contacts through there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I would encourage any of you uh, who... Uh, are wondering about Carrie, who want to meet her, who who want to have her talk at their event, to reach out um, through her website for sure. You won't be sad that you did. So thank you so much, Carrie. Thanks, Margie. Yeah. To finish out this segment, I am talking with Karen Funkenbush of Agribility in Missouri. So welcome, Karen. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So um, we just got done talking with Carrie about her accident and her life since then and how she's been able to carry on with the things that have been so important to her, um, like farming. And can you talk to me a little bit about what AgriBility is and what it does? The Missouri AgriBility Project, well, actually the AgriBility Project in itself is uh, funded by the United States Department of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a line item in the federal budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are part of the Farm Bill. Uh, this is a program that's been appropriated by Congress, um, and Congress uh, very much has the desire to work with farmers and ranchers with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So in order to uh, receive services from AgriBility, uh, you need to be a farmer or rancher or want to be a farmer or rancher that has a disease, disability, or disorder. Mm-hmm. So um, you guys are out there to help people in agriculture who've had disabilities such as Carrie. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what it means to you personally to be able to work on this and work with people like Carrie who, who is such an inspiration and such a joy. Uh, for me personally and then professionally, um, uh, my desire is to help um, our farmers continue to do what they love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about... Uh, 
individuals who have this intense desire, uh, who uh, are not going to give up. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you're talking about individuals that uh, have high-level spinal cord injuries, Mm -hmm. uh, a catastrophic accident like Carrie's, Mm -hmm. uh, who survived uh, and has end-stage arthritis and is only allowed to take 3,000 steps per day. That's nothing. That's amazing. Yeah. 3,000 steps per day. And after she's taken those 3,000 steps per day, she has to be in a wheelchair. So um, my desire is to help them. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if they want to be in agriculture, you know they're going to find a way uh, to do it. So for me professionally, I want to prevent that secondary injury. Mm-hmm. I want to help them um, move on with that long-time dream. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't want them to be re-injured. So that's the motivation for me. So if somebody's out there listening going, this might, this might be a program that could help me, how would they find out about the program in their area? If uh, someone wanted to find out about AgriBility, they could call the 1-800 number. So that'd be 1-800-995-8503, ask for AgriBility, and say that you're looking to get services. Wonderful. Well, Karen, thank you so much. This is, I think, invaluable information for people out there. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Shining Bright. We are continuing today's episode with one of my favorite Central Iowa farm herds. She's here in the studio with us today, Melissa Eshelman. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So those of you who are farm her devotees out there will remember that Melissa was on the TV show Farm her on RFD TV. I think it was in season two. Season two, yeah. I'm glad yeah. you're here to remind me of that. <laughs> She's holding up her fingers. <laughs> Number two. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit. Let, let's let's take it back a ways for anybody who's not a farm her devotee yeah. and who didn't see that episode. Um, let's let's talk a little bit. So so I found you. Somebody said it, it's crazy to me because we live very close to each other, yes. really, in like the grand scheme of people that I talk to all over the country. True. 20 minutes apart, probably, right? Yeah, Maybe it, 30. I don't know. Yeah. But run right, right around 26 minutes to get here. There actually. you go. <laughs> 26. <laughs> yeah. Specifically. Yes. Um, I, I hadn't heard of you or met you before, though. And somebody had submitted your name on our website, mm-hmm. which is how all around the country that happens. But usually here in Iowa, I've, I've met somebody or I like know them first. So yeah. somebody told me about you and I'm like, we got to go meet this girl. Yeah, so Linda Sandy actually called me one day. Um, it was like when first season was on and stuff. And she was like, um, would you care if I submitted you to farm her? And I kind of chuckled and I'm like, what? And she goes, no, I really want to submit you. Can I? And she's a longtime family friend of ours. And so I was like, sure. She's like, just give me all your information and I'll take care of it. I was like, all right. And I knew Kristen was on season one with you and stuff. Yeah. And so I I'd known about it and knew what was going on and stuff. And so um, I was like, yeah, go ahead. We'll see what happens. And then uh, shortly after that, I got a phone call from you. So bang, yeah. bang, boom. Yeah. Yes. See, the process does work. It does work. Absolutely. <laughs> People all the time are like, I submitted somebody. You're ever going to call me. I'm like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but yeah. sometimes it you just works never out. know. You don't, you yeah. don't. I mean, and, and I wish we could cover every single person on that. Yeah. 
So um, let's take it back. Tell us about, did you, you grew up in agriculture? Yes. You grew up on the farm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, my grandparents, actually it goes back. To, I actually did some more research um, here recently with my grandma and my great grandpa started farming and then um, just not like full time, but he was a, a sheriff and stuff. And so then he um, got my grandpa in, interested in farming. And so after my grandma and grandpa got married, they bought the farm and the farm that I live on now. So I'm the third generation to live on that farm. And my, um, my dad farmed with my grandparents. And then um, my brother and I farmed growing up and doing chores and not thinking it was so much fun when you're younger. <laughs> Why do I have to go out and do these chores yeah. when it's cold and dark? Yeah, and, and you have to do them before, cho- or before school. And then you got to do chores after school. And um, yeah, there's days I hated it. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to do something else. And I went to college and I came home every weekend to help on the farm and the older you get, the more you realize what you really truly love. And um, yeah, I went back to the farm and I had some other jobs after college, but I was always at the farm at, on the nights and uh, weekends and everything. So I went back and I started farming. I talked to my dad into let me farm full time with him in 2009, which was awesome because then in 2010, he was in a hunting accident. So I got to farm a full year side by side with him. Um, and learn as much as I could, not knowing what was going to happen. Right. And then, yeah, he um, fell out of a tree stand and was paralyzed from basically the neck down. Yeah. Which then I was still being able to, to farm, but then also to be able to help him and spend a lot of time in the hospital because he was in the uh, hospital for seven months. So I was able to, you know, I could, my brother and I would take turns and made sure we got everything done that needed to be done, but we could spend time with him in the hospital. And then afterwards... Um, do therapy with him and I'd get him ready every morning and get him in his wheelchair and do everything. So farming was able to allow me to spend more time with dad um, and then uh, be there to help him in his condition that he was in. So yeah, it was kind of a blessing and yeah. One that you couldn't have have foreseen when you're, you know, just a kid there when you were a kid, what did, what did the farm, what did it consist of? Oh, and then what does it like consist of today? Yeah. Cause it's totally changed. Cause when my grandparents bought it in 1968, they started like a sow operation, Pharaoh to finish and, um, kept growing at that. And they only had a few cattle. And then, um, my, when my dad was in high school, they did a lot of farrowing and stuff. And then my dad kept that going and we did farrow to finish. And mainly we, I mean, our farm was mainly just hogs. Yeah. We had some chickens and little stuff like that, but it was all basically, um, hogs. And, um, then when the economy for the hog market went down in the late nineties, dad started selling them because we just could not, you just couldn't make any money. So dad got out of the hogs or out of the sows, the farrowing part in like 1997. And then we did feeder pigs. And then my dad, he branched that out and was in, would um, have feeder pigs all around Iowa. And so I'd help travel around to those load hogs and check on them and do different stuff with him. But then um, kind of after that, then we started getting more cattle Mm -hmm. and kind of growing our herd for that, um, for cattle. And then um, once, uh, then we kind of had a balance between hogs and cattle and then um, once dad got in his accident, we uh, we got rid of all the hogs just because that was dad's thing and he knew it so well. And I didn't know the marketing of that. And it was more than what I could handle at that time. It wasn't where your passion was. No, either, definitely right? not yeah. with my passion. So I kept the cow herd and we got the cows still and um, uh, raised them and uh, have babies. And I uh, I do uh, feeder cattle as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I 
love the cows. And um, also I've expanded and I do a lot of chickens and I do a lot of goats. And my dad thought it was crazy when I told him I was going to get goats. And he was like, he just shook his head and he's like, (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) You're like, I do. Just be patient. (laughs) Just just go with it. (laughs) Yeah. So a funny story about those goats. I just was watching this video the other day Mm -hmm. um, because so when we filmed at your farm, it was a couple of years ago. Your grandma was actually there. Yes, Yes, she was. Um, Was that the grandma who is the first generation? That started the farm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was. So that's why I had her on the far, on the show because it just it meant a lot to me to have her because she showed me a lot of the things and a lot of the the ways and how to care for animals and love the land and do just have a passion for farming. So yeah, yeah. I could tell, and that was that was fun to be able to have her there mm-hmm. um, when we were there. So our videographers for the TV show are not from farming backgrounds. Like they they don't spend <laughs> outside of filming for farm here they don't spend time around livestock right and um but but they are great at what they do yeah and so you had a couple I I think you had a calf that was a bottle calf a bottle calf and it was like attached (laughs) to them and I just watched the video the other night I just showed it at a couple events that I spoke at because it's kind of one of those behind the scene things it's always a little funny but uh, the one he he was like literally sucking on the the calf stuck on his coat yeah and the and um I think was his name John John John. well they're both John so you're right on both accounts yeah (laughs) and he was trying to hold so still and be so quiet and and try to shove the calf away and he was doing such a great job but not and then we finally noticed like hey that calf is (laughs) his whole like side was like wet (laughs) Soaking wet, cow slobber everywhere. Now that was that, a good. That was a good like uh, behind the scenes. It was, <laughs> and now that I think about it, it's it's pretty amazing that we actually formed a TV show out yeah. of it that wasn't like didn't give people motion sickness. You know? but, exactly. Yeah, and the goats they were there like I in the video they were chewing on my boots, yes. which is fine. They, I oh, mean, they chew whatever. on anything and everything. They're yeah. very curious on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you still have uh, the cattle and the goats. Mm-hmm. You have, do you have, oh, and the chickens. You have so that's chickens. the other thing, like behind the scenes, everybody. Um, I yeah. don't love chickens. No, you do not. We, you've got this huge dog. Mm-hmm. Axel. Axel. He's mm-hmm. a big guy. He's crazy. Yeah. Yes. And he loves the farm. Yeah. And John was inside the chicken coop filming. In the house, yes. And Axel got in there somehow. And like the chicken just like went up in like a huge flurry. And John came out like, what just, what just happened? Because the chickens are flying over him all over. Yeah, it was... I I was dying. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I wasn't in there. Yeah, it was oh. it was a, a fun day, as you can tell. So we're going to go to break here in just a, a few seconds, and we'll be back here with Melissa. Um, in the next segment, I just want to remind all of you out there that we have I Am Farm Her coming up, and that is a way for you to connect and inspire and be inspired by other women in this industry. It is going to be in Des Moines, Iowa, June 17th through the 19th. And you can head over to our website, farmher.com, click on the events tab and uh, check out your tickets there. So stick with us. We'll be right back with Melissa Eshelman here on Shining Bright. We are back here on Shining Bright. I've got Melissa Eshelman here with me in the studio, and uh, we're having a fun time this morning. So um, we were just talking about schedules and what, all the things. I know Melissa has a lot going on. We're heading into planting time. Uh, hopefully yeah. sometime soon. Cross fingers that yeah. all this water goes away, you know, yeah. uh, quickly. 
And, um, but we're all juggling a lot all the time. And I was just telling you, Melissa, that this afternoon I am headed to drive my daughter and three other little girls to a field trip for 4 H. And it's kind of a different field trip though. They're going to the Apple store and they're going to take a photography class, which I'm like, yay. (laughs) And I'm actually super excited to take it myself too. And I know that the Apple store does these, um, classes all the time. I mean, obviously it helps us use their devices yeah. better, yeah. right? Get more, even more like hooked on them. Tips and tricks with their devices and stuff. That's yeah. probably something to learn. To use for 4-H. Yeah. To use awesome. for their projects. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go do that. So that's why I have my 4-H shirt on oh, here perfect. today. There you go. Um, but I know when you came in the door, so um, talking about how the farm and you have grown and changed, um, let's let's talk first about, so what is the the... Farming side, the family farming side look like for you today? I know your dad passed away mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Yep. And so now what does it look like? Um, it's my brother and I farm full time together. Um, and we um, do row crop, corn and beans. And then we raise our cattle and I have my goats and chickens and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we have expanded the farm just since uh, I was on the show two years ago. We have, uh, we're bigger now. We have more acres. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Yeah, we're growing in that way and I'm growing in a different, you know, like lots of different ways I'm trying to grow and just make the farm, you know, fun and bigger and make it work for Jed and I and yeah. um, keep it diverse. Yes. So you yeah. can, that, and that matters from a business perspective. And I it totally can't stay it. the same all the time. Like things have to change. If you look back on my grandparents, are, it's changed a lot from when my dad had it to us. Yeah. It, it's just how things go in life and things just have to change and you got to make everything work. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's how it is right now. You have such a positive perspective. I love it. So when we were there, you were just getting started with your tin roof market. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about what that was when you started it, what it's evolved into today. Yeah. When you were there, it was like, you guys were there in April and that summer was going to be my first summer of opening up Tin Roof Market, which was actually just like a roadside stand. I was just going to do sweet corn and um, vegetables. And uh, I have a friend of mine that he sells honey. So I, I had some of his honey and I was just going to do like a little bit of like, we used to sell a lot of sweet corn back in the day in Altoona. We did like 20 some acres and we'd pick it by hand and sell sweet corn. And so I still kind of have that in me. Um, so I was like, well, let's just do a little roadside stand, see what happens. And my, you know, the road's getting kind of busier because Altoona's growing and everything. Mm-hmm. So, and then with Facebook and everything, you can really let people know what's yeah. going on and what you got and people can stop out. So that's where I started. And it was just kind of didn't really think anything of it, just a little side hobby in the summer. And then um, here in November, we, uh, a friend of mine decided, let's let's try something else. And so I had the goats and let's uh, see what we can do with that. And I've had a lot of people be like, you need to make... Uh, goat soap. You need to make cheese. You need to do this. And I'm like, eh. and I was always very hesitant. I was like, I don't really know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> I am not a soap maker. <laughs> yeah. I'm a farmer. <laughs> I've never done any of that. So I don't, you know, I don't have any background. So we started doing a little research and, um, I have close to 25 to 30 goats now. Um, and a lot of them are having babies and stuff right now. So that's fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Busy, yeah. busy. Yeah. And, but then I started like doing a little research on soap and how like, good goat's milk is very like good for your skin and moisturizing and eczema and stuff like that. And, um, so I was like, you know what, like, let's try it and see what happens. And so we kind of started, I'd started uh, milking some goats in, uh, back in November. And now we, um, have a whole line of goat soap, uh, goat milk soap. And then, um, we did some sugar scrubs, but my soap is like my number one thing right now that I kind of like just learning about. And I just, basically it's a like, self-taught, like you just do a lot of research on the internet. Yeah. I was going to say, how, how, like, how do you go from raising goats 
to milking them to like, tell me about like how, how you learned how to make soap, because we have some beautiful, lovely looking, lovely smelling soap sitting right here in front of us. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I agree with you that like, that seems like a huge leap mm-hmm. in my yeah, mind. Cause not knowing anything about it. So I just started doing research and, um, just started looking on the internets and figuring out, uh, what works for people, what didn't work for people. And then there's like soap making, um, pages you can, or groups you can join on Facebook and you can join these and people like throw out like, Hey, what happens if you do this? Or, Hey, I need some help with this. And so they help you. And there's people have been like, so helpful. Anything you need to know from making it to selling it to packaging it. Um, but, and then just finding the right recipe that works for your products and stuff. And so I like to do like kind of the all natural, um, no, there's no, the only thing that's in there is the lye. Other than that, it's just oils like coconut oil, lard, um, the goat soap or the goat milk, and then, um, castor oil, olive oil. And then I add essential oils for the scents, mm-hmm. um, to make it more appealing to whoever, you know, there's an original one, but then we have some that has lavender with lavender buds in it. And yeah, um, yeah, just so did you like set up a soap making, is your kitchen like a soap making central now? <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. I'm guessing you don't have to have a commercial kitchen no. at, to make soap because no. it's not an edible product. Yeah. No, I, I don't really know. Yeah. But. So it's basically out of my kitchen right now and maybe someday I can make it. I, I would love to have like a little shed that just is for that because you have all, you got to use the stove because you got to warm everything up and then you got to use these big stainless steel bowls and um, it gets kind of messy. I mean, you got oil kind of splattering around and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, my kitchen at times <laughs> is kind of crazy. It smells good though. Yeah. Like you got all the essential oils and it smells like that for a couple of days. But yeah, right now my kitchen is, it's kind of a mess at times when I'm doing my, when I'm doing the making of it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you've started making these products. So tell me a little bit about the business side of it. Like how, you started with the the tin roof market with the produce, mm-hmm. but how are you telling people about it? How are you getting the word out there and, and kind of how are you sp- spreading it from a business perspective? Yeah. So um, I got a Facebook page now and um, tin roof market. And then um, we, have, we have a website, uh, com, And then um, just kind of word of mouth, friends, family started first. And then we started doing craft shows. And then at craft shows, people come up to you, vendors and say, hey, I have a store. Would you like to come visit and talk about selling your soap in my stores. And so I already have um, a contract with a lady down in Down Home Creations in Albia. And I'm going to be selling, as soon as they get their store ready in June, I'm going to start selling my stuff there. Yay. And then um, uh, got some interviews with some people, with some stores, um, one in um, the Amanda Colonies and then one in Pleasant Hill to see if um, if it works for us, you know, just to see what, you know, their rules and regulations are, and then um, go from there. But yeah, just kind of spreading it through word of mouth, Facebook, social media, all that fun stuff. I guess I got one on Instagram, Ten Roof Market. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Talk about wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got a lot of them. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's a different one and it's kind of fun right now. A little stressful at times, but <laughs> it's kind of, it was good this winter when, you know, it was so terribly cold and yeah, I'd have to go out and do my chores and stuff, but this is like a nice little break to do something different, to make a little extra money and it's kind of, I don't know, I really enjoy it. So it's going well so far. Yeah. And it's kind of going faster than I anticipated since we just started in November. Yeah. I didn't think it'd take off this fast. Yeah. Talk about like a a, a race here, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's an exciting thing though, to to have a need for that product out mm-hmm. there and to be able to fulfill that. Okay. Well, we're, we're uh, nearing the end of this, but I just want to uh, remind all of you that we have all kinds of events for From Her, from our GROW events, which are focused on young women in agriculture 
which we have more of those coming up this fall. So stay tuned for those. But we also have I Am Farm Her, which is two days of inspiration, connecting and empowerment for women who are engaged in agriculture in any way, even if you just eat the food that that you're so welcome, because this is like an immersive event all about us. Like we've got many different ways from talking about how we can mentor others to ways that we can focus on self-care, taking care of ourselves, taking care of others around us, um, learning about STEM, you name it. We've got like the super lineup this year. So definitely stay tuned to that. You can get the tickets at IamFarmHer.com and you can see about everything else that we have going on. As you know, Farm Her on RFD TV airs every Friday and Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And you can see all about that over at FarmHer.com. We'll be right back. it up here on Shining Bright and I convinced Melissa to stay for the end here because I have a little bit more that I want to talk to her about. Uh, as you guys have heard, she has a as part of a generational family farm and has a lot going on all of the time with that. She started this new, I, I called it a side hustle, but I think that's where we want to talk about in this final segment about um, you, you started this as kind of the just fun side thing to do. Yeah. And I noticed that um, maybe like a couple of days ago, you just changed your Facebook to show that it's an actual business now. It's, it's LLC. Not, yeah, it's an LLC. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about taking that that side hustle, that like fun thing over there, and taking the step to make it into an actual business. And, yeah. and what was what was the need for you to do so, and um, what? What other sorts of things are you thinking about in doing that? Yeah. Um, no, at first I just started it just to, you know, throw a name out there and kind of just, yeah, it was my little side job. And then as you, as we moved into the goat soap um, and wanted to sell it like to more people and go to craft shows and, and stores and stuff, uh, decided that it should probably be an LLC just to protect yourself so you don't get sued um, just in case somebody has an issue with the soap or, you know, a yeah. reaction or it something. Makes them itch or something. Yes. Like it, yeah. it won't listen to all those beautiful oils in yeah. there, you know. And but. somebody might be allergic to something and, right. you know. So you just, I just want to protect ourselves and because um, you just never know what's going to happen. You don't. And it's better to be safe than sorry. And um, just to have that insurance to know that you're covered and you're safe and to know that nothing's going to happen to your, your business is the main important thing. <clears throat> and you should be able to like sleep at night knowing that you're, you're okay. Like, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's your side thing, but you want to make sure it's covered and you're safe and you're protected. Just like anything else, you have insurance on everything. It's kind of just like a nice insurance policy to know that everything's yeah. going to be covered. And it's separate from the farm that means so much to other people and generations of your family too, right? Like yes. it, it keeps that protection kind of like a wall up there. Yeah. I think that's yeah, really important. This is a totally separate um, entity of yeah. itself. And yeah, this has nothing to do with the farm. I mean, yes, obviously it does have something to do with the farm, the goats and stuff, but it's a separate business from the farm. And so I wanted to keep, make sure that there is that separation between the family farm and this little, this little side job um, just to protect everybody and everything with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so any lessons learned so far in starting because the the farm was an entity before before you were an entity yeah exactly right? <laughs> before you were here so any lessons learned as a as um 
a farm her that has started a new business. You know, there's a, a lot of steps to go through and a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've learned a lot opening up a, a small business and doing stuff on your own. It's something I've never, I never imagined how, you know, how it, well, how it do and where, where it's taken me. But um, doing the farm, you know, you just got your, you got your farm work and everything. And then with this, it's, um, I've just learned that there's so much more that you have to like pay attention to and, and people's needs and people's wants. And so you got to kind of, you, you got to f- be flexible with this to, meet people's needs and meet, meet people's wants. Cause on the farm, it's, it's our needs and our wants. Yeah, it's, we got to do what we want to do to make ourselves happy. This is a different business where I, I'm trying to make other people happy. So I'm trying to do, do sense that people like, and, um, you know, different, um, bundles or groups or, uh, packages that people would like. So yeah, it's all about p- other people's needs instead of our own on the farm. So that's totally like something that I, never thought of before. Yeah. I can't say I would have thought about that either, but <laughs> yeah. you're right. Like this is a, a very personal product, right? Yeah. Like you're putting it on your skin yes. and it, it's going to go with you all day long. Yeah. And I wasn't going to do an original bar, but I ended up doing it because my sister and her, her family, her, her little boys are very allergic to any kinds of soaps or smells or anything. And my sister can't burn candles or anything. So I did an original one with no sense in it just for people with delicate skins or babies or little kids or I love that. Yeah. So I just, you know, meeting different people's you know, needs that they need in life and stuff. So yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, obviously, you have been on a long and windy road of, of what your career looks like. All of it is encompassed by the word farm her, I think. Absolutely. Um, but what defines success for you? <sighs> to define success, it's finding something you love and that you're passionate about and going for it. And some days you're not going to always be successful at it, but you will find a way to be successful and make yourself happy and do what you love and what you're passionate about. And I think I've found that I never thought that I would find it at this age, you know, not knowing when you're younger what you want to do. But I definitely believe like I'm being successful and I'm happy and I'm doing what I absolutely love. I love that. It, it's it's the journey. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all about the journey. There's ups, there's downs. You never know what's around the corner. You just got to stay strong. Stay positive is the main thing because it can be very, very farming right now is very tough. So you just got to stay positive and, you know, um, find people to support you and ask questions, get help wherever you can. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Thank everybody can find her me. Tin Roof Market. Tin Roof Market. Yep. Awesome. So. Well, thank you everybody for joining us here on Shining Bright this week. It's been a fun episode talking to some pretty amazing women out there. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farm. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern and Saturday at noon Eastern on SiriusXM's Rural Radio Channel 147 and the SiriusXM app. And now, go shine bright. Join us next week on Shining Bright by Farm Her as we talk about the faces of Farm Her. We're going to meet Stella Parton, who from her farming roots in Tennessee has built a musical career and talk about her new album. And then we're going to head over to our local Blank Park Zoo and talk about conservation and what we can all do to help the environment.